1: hammer and nigel you believe these characters are weirdos so let's oh, oh, oh man hammer i've got the uh, debate on dvr tonight hog set versus sharif marion county mayor debate on wish tv our news gathering partners six o'clock i'm expecting big things man i'm expecting fire i'm expecting tough a- a questions to be asked do you think we'll get that tonight I think we will. I do, too.
2: Because I got a lot of faith in Phil Sanchez, who's going to be one of the moderators tonight with Wish TV. And we're going to get him on the show coming up a little bit later on. And uh, listen, everybody probably is going to be asking him, hey, are you going to ask Joe Hawks at where he was during the riots? So we'll talk to Phil Sanchez a little bit later on. We'll see, you know what's on the docket for tonight i
1: don't see that as being a problem that should not be a subject that it wasn't broached the last time their speech that they gave i know they were g- giving a more specific uh inner city community centric speech uh the last time their debate a couple of weeks ago but i think this needs to be a broad thing i mean hell you got sharif flyers in your mail asking the same thing things that we've been asking for years now
2: right Where welcome to the you? party bal <laughs> from the indiana Republican Party. Uh, But yeah, there are mailers going around. I think a lot of people uh, have received these, where finally, like five, six months too late, there's mailers that say, where was Joe Hogsett during the riots?
1: As a Marion County resident, Hammer, why do you think this is the first time in 20 years that a, a debate, a mayoral debate for Indianapolis is being televised? That's an interesting stat to me. It's a big race, isn't it?
2: Well, I'm going to read off a couple of years of homicide totals for you, okay? Okay, great.
1: Wonderful. 2020, 245.
2: 2021, 271. 2022, 230. And this year, Indianapolis is on pace for 228. So, in essence, the same as last year. Crime homicides have never been this bad in a five-plus-year stretch, and I think this is why this is televised this year. I think it has a big part. You've got one candidate, the incumbent, who's very vulnerable, but you've got another guy who's got tons of money to compete but has kind of stabbed his base in the back. So it's a fascinating election. Like, if you live somewhere other than Marion County – you're probably looking at this just from political theater as a fascinating election. It is, but you and
1: I work here. You live here. I have family that lives downtown, so obviously all eyes on uh, the debate tonight. Especially, I mean, you should be, Surad Donut Counties should be paying attention tonight to what happens, because um, you're right, the Sharif thing with the gun laws and stabbing the base in the back like that, that was a misstep. That was a huge Huge mistake, but I do like the flyers. I do like the commercials that I've seen asking, you know, or or telling Indianapolis residents, "Look, your mayor basically deserted you on the nights,
2: on the darkest moments in this city's history. Where was he? We want to know." And when Hoxett tries to give you that crap tonight, because you know he's going to say it, homicides are down. Yeah, you went from 271 to 230. That doesn't necessarily warrant a victory lap, Joe. And it looks like you're
1: going to tie the record this year.
2: Yeah, last year was 230, on pace right now for 228. And if you really want to go next level on some of the numbers here, according to the information provided by the Fraternal Order of Police here in Indy, Indy is still outpacing Chicago in homicides per capita. So based on population, obviously Chicago is a much larger city, but Indy is running a homicide equivalency of 7.78 above Chicago's homicide rate. And so far this year in Indy, 788 people shot, 166 people stabbed, with 183 killed in 295 days. You stretch that out through the end of the year, Indy's on pace for 228, and right now it's a higher homicide rate per capita than Chicago. So when Joe Hogsett stands up there tonight and tells you crime is down, homicides are down, maybe just maybe he hit the bar at Wish TV because he's lying right to your face.
1: And I hope he gets called out on it. I hope that uh, that Sharif has a counter to that. I mean, hell, if you and I can come up with it. Right. You would think somebody with the resources like Sharif has, but he's already stepped on his, I was going to say something else, his foot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the moderators, Phil Sanchez, Katira Winfrey. Help me, Katera Winfrey. <laughs> Help me, Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, I think that's a strong duo. And um, Phil Sanchez is, is no stranger to being a moderator uh, with his all Indiana politics show that he has on. Every. Here's the thing. Do you think we're going to see flames coming out? Like flame. Neither one of these two seem like flamethrowers. They're not exactly Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis up there.
2: The only you know fire I mean? you're going to see tonight is if Joe hogsett been drinking fireball. Uh, heyo. Neither heyo. one of these guys are going to be yellers and screamers. It's not like having Chris Christie up there or Donald Trump. Right. That's not what you're going to get tonight. What I want to see is when Joe Hogsett pulls his crap, and you know he's going to pull it, crime is down, homicides are down, lying right to your face, will Jefferson Shreve have the testicular fortitude if you will to call him out because that's what a lot of people have been waiting for this is jefferson shreve's opportunity to hold joe hogshead accountable where were you during the riots can you prove where you were at during the riots and why were you not in indianapolis like pretty much every other democrat mayor in cities around america during the riots If Jefferson Shreve is soft tonight, it's over. It's over. That's the ball game. And let me tell you something about Indianapolis right now. This is how bad it is. This is a true story. And I had no idea this was a thing. So over the weekend, uh, myself, my oldest, who's 19, one of his buddies, and my youngest, who's a high school sophomore, we were going to go to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings downtown here, get some wings, you know, watch some football, do the things. I had no idea that you cannot be in the Buffalo Wild Wings in downtown Indianapolis unless you're with somebody that's 21 and over. Now, I'm not talking about sitting in the bar. I'm talking about getting a table to just have wings. Good. Because I dropped my uh, kids off there, and I like, hey, I'm going to go park, get us a table, and I'll be right back, uh, and we'll eat. But you can't oh, be in wow. there because— from what I was told by the security staff there, they've had so many problems with young local indie youth storming in there, becoming a pain in the ass, dining and dashing, getting into fights. You have to be with somebody 21 now. So let that sink in. In our city, in Indianapolis, Indiana, if a 19 year old wants to go to a Pacers game with his buddy and get wings at Buffalo Wild Can do Wings. It. You can't do it. Wow. And this is only That's for incredible. the downtown Indianapolis location. Imagine somebody that has served his country for a year and you come back home for the holidays, you're nineteen, you're twenty years old, you've been serving in the United States military. Hey. You want to meet with friends at Buffalo Wild Wings in downtown Indy, you can't do it. And you're not
1: necessarily saying this is a bad like you're not calling out B dubs, are you?
2: No. I, I don't understand why they're doing it. Yeah. But it's so embarrassing that it, it has is. to happen because the other B-dubs locations, Speedway and Plainfield, they don't have this policy, but downtown Indianapolis does. And it's so freaking ridiculous and so embarrassing, but this is what Joe Hawkset and Ryan Mears have created. And again, you would think I would be all in on Jefferson Shreve tonight. But he told us who he was, too. The very first opportunity after the primary, which, by the way, he didn't say a damn word about guns or abortion during primary. The minute he won that, the very first thing he did was blame law-abiding gun owners for the problems in downtown Indy. I got news for you. It's not because of law-abiding gun owners that Buffalo Wild Wings has to have this policy (laughs) set up in place downtown. So that debate is tonight, 6 o'clock, WISH TV. Uh, It's also going to be on all their streaming platforms, I believe. And we'll get um, Phil Sanchez, the Sanchez, on with us coming up in just a little bit. Marcus Bailey of WISH TV, their meteorologist, he'll join us in just a minute as well. Whether
3: it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits. Long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yes!
1: So crazy right now! You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV on the WIBC Hotline, longtime Hoosier, longtime Colts fans. On a scale of one to ten, Marcus, how heartbreaking was the ending of that Colts game yesterday?
4: And that was it. Was that was rough? I tell you though, I mean, I, you don't want to be like excited for a loss, but how exciting was the game, especially coming yes. back from Jacksonville? Right. Uh, yeah. You 38, oh, yeah. You put thirty-eight on them. You know, arguably the best defense in the NFL. Um, I mean, it just—it was a bummer how it ended, but they played well. You know, uh, just up until, you know, the end of the first half, and then and then and then those calls at the end of the game was was pretty rough. But it was it was a fun atmosphere yesterday, that's for sure.
2: Knowing how. Hardcore and passionate of a Colts fan you are, Marcus. I'm surprised that the forecast today wasn't. Uh, this week, a 100% chance of the league investigating game fixing by these officials yesterday.
4: Just kind of squeezing a little something into the forecast. <laughs> uh, well, I do have the week off this week, but that would have definitely been in the uh, Monday forecast, probably, Ooh. if I would have been going on some uh, limited sleep last night. So, I, I, I was able to sleep it off. I feel a little bit better. Need you do a
1: little staycation for uh, Marcus Bailey? this week
4: yeah you know i had uh, some some days to burn and i just happened to notice that this week looked pretty good with 70s in the forecast and there's still golf courses open so went ahead and go and uh, sneak a few days off
2: (laughs) so it's funny i told allison we were going to have marcus bailey on the show like you know before the show started and she looked at me with this concerned look on her (laughs) face thinking what's wrong because usually we only have marcus on when all hell's about to break loose
4: that's right. No, I mean, this has been – this is uh, this is good stuff. I mean, we're knocking on the door of Halloween. It's almost November. And like I said, uh, we got like at least – I'd say at least two days coming up here, tomorrow and Wednesday, that will be not just in the 70s, but well into the 70s. Um, and it doesn't come with any weird, you know, weather or anything like that, nothing severe or like crazy winds. This is going to be very mild, calm, bright, 75 tomorrow. Uh, probably low 70s. Now, Wednesday through the weekend, there's going to be some rain chances, but I'm, I, I i don't think there are the washouts, nothing crazy um, in terms of uh, storm chances, nothing widespread, uh, but it does get a little bit more active. But, yeah, nice five-day stretch where we've got numbers anywhere between 65 and 75 here for much of this week. So You're not
1: making any, uh, any predictions for Halloween next Tuesday, are you?
4: Well, so
1: I mean, what do you, you see? Know, that
4: kind of gets to the tail end of of the forecast that we that we go at, and I I, I talked to you guys at length about you know precip wise when you get that far out it's kind of hard to gauge but we usually get a pretty good feel on how the temperatures are going to go or you know pattern changes stuff like that it does look by early next week that we're gonna we're gonna settle into more of a chilly. Pattern now, how aggressive is the is the chill going yeah. to be? I you know I haven't been sold on that yet, but certainly not going to be looking at seventies like we're looking at tomorrow. There's been a couple um, of
1: Halloweens in the past, if you remember oh, yeah. that, like basically Halloween was shut down because the weather was so bad with the snow and the sleet yeah. and and blizzard like conditions <laughs> on October 31st of all days.
4: I want to say that it was maybe six or seven years ago. Yeah. I feel like and it was, it was like sleet pellets yep. hitting me in the face, yep. and it was like 38. It was awful. The kids were crying because you know, <laughs> the, the, the costumes were paper thin, and it was miserable. Yeah, so it, it's going to be cooler, maybe chilly, but not like that. I Good. don't think we're going to get that cold. But, you know, there's some signs that we may, we may struggle to get out of the 40s or have some highs in the low 50s for Monday and Tuesday next week.
2: Marcus, the good news and bad news with this awesome forecast here through Mm -hmm. the week, uh, late in October, you know, the good news is that it's great. You know, you can open up the windows. You can, you know, do all the things. The bad news is. My wife has already told me, "Oh, with it being so warm, you can cut the grass again on Thursday."
4: <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that she was going to have you hang up the uh, the Christmas lights uh, this <laughs>
1: <week>. <laughs> She loves she does start to celebrate a tad early, doesn't she? We've got to get all the
4: Halloween
2: decorations down first cuz oh, we okay. do Halloween big too, and then Fair the enough. Christmas stuff will happen.
4: There you go. Yeah, no, I mean the it's, it's weird because I just went on a stretch probably of month and a half where i didn't have to touch the grass because it was pretty much dead and dry and right not not had any rain and now we've had a little bit of rain and my grass looks better than i think it did in the spring so yeah maybe we <laughs> may have to sneak into like one more hopefully one more mow before we can call it a season but yeah definitely gonna have a good chance this week
2: all right marcus one more time here before we let you go what are we looking at this week
4: mid-70s tomorrow get out nice. and enjoy it's gonna be the prettiest day of the week uh, lots of sunshine Uh, Still in the 70s, Wednesday, I do bring in some rain chances in, but it's going to be quite spotty, scattered, not going to rain all day, and that may come later Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, kind of the same thing. On and off showers, definitely not going to rain all day. Highs in the 60s. We might have some slightly better rain chances Saturday, probably more so Sunday, numbers in the 60s, and then we'll start to cool things down. Looks like Monday and Tuesday as we get into the 50s early next week.
2: Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV. Marcus, enjoy that time off, my friend. We'll talk to you soon.
4: All right, thanks, fellas. We'll see you.
2: It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
4: The only way to bag a classy
2: lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show.
5: It's Monday Gun Day
4: with the Gun Guy.
2: Just watch out for the guns.
4: They'll get you. Guy Stop calling your arms gun. Nigel show.
1: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer, right over there with a special guest on the hotline.
2: He is a 2A attorney, a firearms instructor, a man who is behind some of the gun laws in the state of Indiana. He hosts the Gun Guy Show. Guy Relford, how are you?
5: Man, I'm great, and thanks as always to our sponsor of Monday Gun Day. That's Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the largest selection of new used, and historic firearms in the Midwest, and PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg or premierarms.com. Couple different places we can begin here, but let's start at a
2: national level here, guy. Uh I see that the Ron DeSantis team, they were talking about two A, you know, Second Amendment rights over the weekend. And Ron DeSantis has claimed that if he becomes the president, he will reverse Donald Trump's ban on bump stocks. Now, before I get your thoughts on that, remind everybody what bump stocks are.
5: Yeah, bump stocks uh, are really kind of a goofy accessory you can put on a rifle, typically on a uh, on a AR-style rifle, but they're not limited to that. But that's where you see them most common. But they what they do is they allow uh, the gun as you pull the trigger the recoil of the gun back against your shoulder, a bump stock will allow the gun to essentially bounce back and forth or bump back and forth off your shoulder, and if you just keep your f- trigger finger rigid and allow the, the gun to bounce back and forth with a bump stock, the, the gun will shoot very, very quickly to the extent that it sounds like an automatic weapon at that point. It's not, but it sounds like one, and, 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 the, and, the, and the, the, the shots come very quickly, and these became uh, the focus after the Las Vegas horrific mass shooting because that shooter uh, allegedly used a, a bump stock or two in that shooting.
2: Now, Donald Trump, I don't know if he wanted to, but he kind of felt pressure to ban bump stocks. And now Ron DeSantis has said that if he becomes the president, he will reverse that ban that Trump put into place. Is this a big deal either way, Guy?
5: Well, it, it can be. Uh, you know, bump stocks are not a big deal, guys. I mean, I've, I've said for years, bump stocks are stupid. If you if you come to one of my classes or come to my range with a bump stock on your rifle, even when they were legal, I'm going to make fun of you because <laughs> they're 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 just a goofy accessory. You're 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 trading rate of fire for accuracy, and that's never smart. So, um, they bump stocks themselves are, are fairly ridiculous, but. But what I care a lot about, and unfortunately we've seen the horrible effects of this precedent, is that this is if this is the executive branch, this is the president of the United States going to the ATF, and and, and, and and it was a press conference. They were talking about Las Vegas. He said, oh, by the way, bump stocks are gone. Uh, they're gone. I've told the ATF, make those illegal. So we went to an agency, and he said pass a rule. Didn't go to Congress and uh, and change the definition of machine gun that's in the federal statute the National Firearms Act in 1934, he said, well, we'll just do this by going to the ATF and through agency action, make a particular accessory illegal. And I said at the time, "We, we don't care about bump stocks, but we care a lot Because this is is what Obama always threatened to do. Remember when Obama used to say, well, I can't get things through Congress, but I've got a phone and a pen? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about calling executive agencies and telling them to do his bidding when he can't get something through Congress. And lo and behold, here our Republican president turns around and does exactly that in the area of the Second Amendment with bump stocks. And now we've seen it happen over and over under Biden, because what? The so-called ghost gun gun prohibitions, uh, or just through ATF rulemaking, making a a pistol, stabilizer brace, uh, those guns, making those illegal if you don't register them as short barreled rifles, when for 10 years, the ATF said, no, they're totally fine. They don't change your gun into a short barreled rifle. And we've seen, and, and there are more examples than that. So... So if I were Ron DeSantis, or more accurately, if I was sitting on his staff, and, and and I was advising him on Second Amendment issues. I'd say, look, if you want to reverse this thing on bump stocks, that's fine. But what you really ought to do is dramatically restrict the rulemaking ability of your executive agency, the ATF, in terms of their ability to strip law-abiding citizens away uh, from from uh, law-abiding rights, Second Amendment rights away from law-abiding citizens is what I'm trying to say, without Congress doing what is Congress's job, which is legislation. So I would want him to restrict agency action dramatically, as opposed to you know one uh, small step of reversing something on bump stocks. But
1: the, 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 we can move on after this. But did the banning of bump stocks did that have any meaningful results? I mean, because there are still mass shootings, plenty of mass shootings in this country after Vegas. No, I mean... mean, You know what I'm asking? Like, What what meaningful results came about because of the banning of bump stocks?
5: No, nothing. It was just a political move for Trump to be able to say, see here, I reacted to the Las Vegas shooting. Now, in fairness, and by the way, the NRA is complicit in this too because the NRA jumped in and said, uh, well, we're inviting the ATF to reevaluate the legality of bump stocks. So even NRA had... Trump's back on this in terms of saying, yeah, we want those to go away. And the reason that happened is because they were saying, well, let's give them this little thing so we don't we don't face a full ban on so-called assault weapons. And that's what they were trying to head off. And I understand that. But they didn't understand uh, that uh, it's it's death by a thousand cuts here in a war of attrition um, and to allow agency action to do that. Um, was just a horrible, horrible precedent, and we're living with that now in a lot of other areas. Monday,
2: Gunday, Guy Relford joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Guy, I'm going to read a tweet to you from Gavin Newsom, who 100% is not running for president. Wink, wink, wink.
4: (laughs) Quote, Yeah.
2: Today, a right-wing NRA puppet, Judge Robert Benitez tried to strip away california's three decade old assault weapon ban comparing an assault rifle to a knife an absolute disgrace this is exactly why america needs a constitutional amendment to enshrine common sense gun safety your thoughts guy relford
5: Man, there's just so much stupid packed into you know about a two sentence tweet. Uh, it's, it, it, it's hard to respond to, but but yeah. First of all, Roger Benitez is the federal judge he's talking about. He's in the Southern District of California, located in San Diego, and he's a rock star, man. On the Second Amendment, he's issued opinions saying that uh, California's uh, so-called high capacity magazine ban is unconstitutional. Uh, he's now, as as uh, Gavin Newsom mentions, he's issued. Uh, uh, a decision saying that uh, so-called assault weapon uh, bans are unconstitutional and California's laws is specifically but But this is exactly what we all saw happening. I mean, you know, Newsom's calling this guy a a NRA puppet, but in reality what he is, is he's following the precedent laid down by the Supreme Court in the the New York v. Bruin case that came down July of last year. And you guys remember, man, I sat right there in the studio and and said, this means everything, because we've changed the test for determining how a law is or is not constitutional under the Second Amendment. And if you apply the test here created by the Supreme Court in Bruin, which is this text history and tradition test that we've talked about several times, then things like um, a high-capacity magazine ban or an assault weapon ban cannot pass that test. Those laws are going to be found unconstitutional. So it's 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 it, it, it's it's humorous to me that Newsom's calling this you know some right-wing extremist when frankly we all predicted that judges were going to reach exactly this conclusion uh, based on the Bruin decision, and that's precisely what he did. In fact, the high-capacity magazine ban that he found to be unconstitutional, he found that unconstitutional once. Then it went up to the Ninth Circuit on appeal, and in the meantime, the Bruin decision came down. So um, the the Ninth Circuit and then well and and the, and the Supreme Court said if you got pending cases you might want to have them reanalyzed in in light of this uh, opinion. So the Ninth Circuit sent it back to Benitez and said, well, you said it was unconstitutional under the old test. Is it unconstitutional now under the Bruin test? And frankly, it was harder for it to pass constitutional muster uh, under the Bruin test, as as, as I had always said. And so it was completely predictable that he was going to find it unconstitutional again. So, I mean, this is a judge following the law, and Newsom doesn't like it. But, but on the point of his proposed uh, constitutional amendment, and, and we've talked about it in the studio as well, you know, yo, yeah, we need to amend the Constitution to, to lay out limitations on gun rights. He, want, he wants a waiting period, and he wants, you know, a, a, like an assault weapon ban. He wants all this stuff in the Constitution. And it's, uh, by amending the Constitution, and, and, the, and the incredible ludic- ludicracy of this, the stupidity of this is that, this go into the Bill of Rights. So it would be all these restrictions on on the right to keep and bear arms built right into the Bill of Rights. But what is the Bill of Rights? There's nothing in the Bill of Rights that restricts the freedom of, of, of citizens, of the people. It's all a restriction on government. That's all. First Amendment, Congress shall make no law. Second Amendment: The right of the people shall not be infringed. The, the every you know the unreasonable searches and seizures by the government under the Fourth Amendment shall not be allowed. So there's there's, there's, there's all, all it is is a limitation on the powers of the government to protect the rights of the people. And in that very section of, of, of the Constitution, that is the Bill of Rights, in uh, the first ten amendments to the Constitution, he wants to build in a bunch of restrictions on freedom. I mean, that tells me not only is he out of touch generally, he's out of touch with what. <laughs> the hell the Bill of rights is all about <laughs> can you not buy an ar-15 in California uh well have he- stayed they, they've stayed in the judge's ruling um okay. that found the law unconstitutional so yeah you cannot buy an AR-15 okay. in California <laughs> all right now but- there's there's the, the, the people have, have designed guns that are sort of design arounds to say well it kind of looks and functions like an AR, but it's not really a assault weapon, quote-unquote, as they defined it. So there's there's some design-arounds out there. But for all intents and, and purposes, a, a traditional AR-15, no, you cannot buy one in California.
1: Hey, I'm just looking at the email you sent uh, about something that's going on at IU involving this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this yeah, anti, I, is this an anti tooth thing?
5: Yeah, no, I, I posted this on social media, and I got a – I mean, I'm, I'm, I went to law school at IU, so uh, I'm officially a member of the IU Alumni Association. And I got this notice that they're having a symposium on Second Amendment rights, and they're bringing in this lady who's uh, a professor in their school of public policy. And, and there, there, it, it, the, the promotion that was on Facebook, and I put this on my social media, um, the subtitle for this thing, the symposium on the Second Amendment, was called Just Shoot Me. And then it went on to say, you know, with 400 mass shootings so far this year, and it went on from there. And and I'm looking at this thing going, oh, my God. What, you know, and the fact that it's IU tells you this anyway. You know, being a bastion of, of, of liberal lunacy down there in uh, in, in in Bloomington. But um, but the, the 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 inflammatory description of this event is saying, hey, you know, the Supreme Court has come out with these rulings that really seem to enhance Second Amendment rights. And, and, and now, you know, the, we've turned into the Wild West and, and there are no restrictions. And let's all get together and talk about how we feel about that. All right, I'm and assuming
1: I, you've been invited I, to be a panelist on this uh
5: yeah, strangely no. But, but, I, but, but, I, but I, right, right there on the alumni page, I commented on this promotion for the symposium and said, uh, said, hey, you know, I'm a Second Amendment uh, lawyer. My my practice focuses exclusively on the Second Amendment. I've studied all these issues. Uh, this would be much more interesting and informative if you had more than one point of view. And uh, and the silence has been deafening. Yeah, there it is.
2: If anybody wants to reach out to you continue this conversation how can they find you Uh, my twitter's the best way man at guy relford on twitter guy relford you're the best thank you so much thanks guys it's the hammer and nigel show life
3: is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Point of privilege here, just real
5: quick. Yes. We're Always
1: quick to point out crappy customer service. Uh, you know, every I feel like the past few years, um, the, the level of customer service at restaurants and uh, other establishments have gone down, so, but I always want to make sure to point out when I get good service as well. And today at my dentist's office, Dr. Mitchell there on the west side, uh, uh, girl's school road area, waterfront plaza area, I've been going to him for like 20 years, but I embarrassed the hell out of myself during today. It's just a routine cleaning. But I almost puked on my dental hygienist.
2: (laughs) You're a bit of a puker, aren't you? Well, they—what we've learned about you is you're a bit
1: of a puker. Dude, I don't—my gag reflex—I don't have one. I I don't. And it was X-ray day, so every other—you know—you go twice a year, and every other time you go, you get X-rays just to see if you have any cavities. And they stick this thing in your mouth that's so big, and you have to bite down on it, and then they have to take it—they stick this giant camera in your face. And I gag on it every time. (laughs) (laughs) And my um, dental hygienist God bless her, I forget her name, but she like actually had to take, she jumped out of the way. She thought she was going to get, (laughs) I was just dry heaving, you know, like that, like I have on these airwaves before. So they ended up having me do... They also have another x ray machine where it's just I stand up and it goes around my head. I'm like, why didn't we do that in the first place? You guys know I gag when I put these x ray things in my mouth.
2: So you were the patient that they had to say, all right, get the machine out for. (laughs) You were that pain in the ass.
1: I was, and I really appreciate it because it was very embarrassing.
2: Um, Along the same lines, (laughs) very happy to announce my youngest son, Jacob, got his braces taken off today.
1: Oh, that's always a big day.
2: Oh, we didn't know it was going to be. Today we thought they were going to be doing a few things, but then they said, "Hey, you want to get these bad boys off?" Well, hell yes, we do. So, shout oh. out to the great customer service, like you got, Nige. Yeah, we were at uh, Vaughn Orthodontics in Plainfield. Right on. Amazing staff, Big man. Day. They uh, they did all the stuff. That was awesome. A video has gone viral of a woman describing the 15 years she spent getting revenge on a guy who spit on one of her friends. Do you think... She crossed the line and getting revenge because it was 15 years in the making. Is this revenge or is this being a stalker?
6: When I was in college, I went to a comedy show with a couple of friends and my friend accidentally knocked her chair into the guy behind her and spilled his drink all over him and he stands up and calls her a stupid fat bitch, which categorically not true and she, he was not hearing her apology and then he spits on her like assault. So the next day, I find this guy on Facebook and see that he's obsessed with Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, find spoilers for all the upcoming episodes and I make a couple fake Facebook accounts. I would message him spoilers on a <laughs> weekly basis, and he would make these rage-filled Facebook statuses and tweets like, who is sending me this? It was so much fun. I really hate him. I don't think about him for another eight years until I see a friend of a friend. They get engaged. I find out when they're pretty close to their wedding, I see some pretty sinister stuff on his Reddit. If it was your partner, you would want to know. So I jump on one of those old like Facebook accounts, reset the password, get access to it, and send her all of the, like, <laughs> hey, like you should check this out. And she breaks off the engagement. I don't know what the hell he's doing. But yeah, you shouldn't assault women and call them bitches.
1: Revenge or stalker? Stalker. The first part was funny where she gave him the spoilers, but eight years later, come on, let it go.
2: Breaking up his marriage? Yeah. It's a little extreme. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
1: Hammer and Nigel. you
4: believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock!
1: There is still no Speaker of the House. And I still don't care. (laughs) So far, nobody has been able to win enough votes to get the job done. Since Matt Gates, Gates and the Gang of Eight ousted Kevin McCarthy, Congressman from California, we thought it was going to be Steve Scalise. Wrong. We thought it was going to be Jim Jordan, out of Ohio. Wrong. Um, One of the rising stars
2: in Congress is a guy named Byron Donalds, out of Florida right? He is the latest to toss his name into the hat for the potential speakership, if you will. And he was doing the Sunday talk shows, doing the car wash, going show to show. Here's Byron Donalds on his pitch to be the new Speaker of the House.
1: First, we got to get back to work immediately. We have to get these appropriation bills done. We must secure our border. Uh, if we're going to continue government funding, the border must be secured, and the White House us to realize that and take us seriously. Number two, we have a true ability to expand our majorities past this Congress. We can do that with strong, direct leadership where the White House knows where we stand. The American people see uh, the strategies and the work that the Republican majority is trying to get done. I totally believe that. And number three, we can have unity in our conference. It's going to start with a fresh voice in leadership, working with all of our colleagues to accomplish the mission that our voters sent here to do. Yes, please do something about the border immediately. Those uh, the CBB, the Customs Borders Protection, released its monthly report over the weekend. Just kind of dropped that out there, Hammer. Uh, the numbers for September 2023 historical highs: uh, two hundred sixty-nine thousand seven hundred thirty-five illegal border apprehensions. Crossings, 1.6 million gotaways. Well, I'm Biden. sure
2: all of those IRS agents that we've recently <laughs> hired are going to be very quick to chase all of them down to make sure that everything's on the up and up. Thank God for all the extra <laughs> IRS agents. But you made a statement earlier that That's it. you don't care if there's a new Speaker of the House. And I've heard Rob Kendall say the same thing. And every single day that goes by, You guys are showing that you're right because, again, I like to quote movies. I'm a movies guy. I'm a sports guy in addition to doing politics, and there's a line in the movie Coming to America with Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy where Eddie Murphy's character, Akeem, takes all of the money away from Arsenio Hall because he was spending too much. He says, if you have no more money, you can create no more mischief. That's the same way with the House yeah. of Representatives, right? If you have no speaker, you cannot spend any more money. And if you're not spending any more money, that's less mischief. I'm here for it because let's be honest here. It's been a couple of weeks without a speaker of the house. Has anybody's life been any different one way or the other? When you woke up in the morning, was your routine different because there wasn't a speaker of the house?
1: No, I didn't even.
2: Right. I mean, look,
1: saying I don't care is not a take. I understand that it's important to get somebody in there. It's making the Republicans look sort of ridiculous. That's my take.
2: But my take is if this thing takes up to a year, don't threaten me with a good time. If Congress shut down, if the government shut down, it would suck for the people who get government paychecks. I get that. But the overwhelming majority of Americans would be better off. I mean, honestly, if a bag of sand was the president of the United States (laughs) and Congress did not shut down, would this country be in a better position? I think it would. I'm team bag of sand and closed government right now. There's no way things could be any worse, right? The rest of the world already doesn't respect us. Look what's going on in Israel and Ukraine. Look how squirrely China's being. They're about to invade Taiwan. I mean, you might as well have a bag of sand and save money. And if Congress shut down, that's a little less spending. I mean, think about this. Think about how bad you're taxed, right? The United States government and then the states tax the bejesus out of you. They take the majority of your money, and there's are still trillions of dollars in debt. This is how poorly it's ran. So don't threaten me with a good time. If you don't find a speaker, you don't find a speaker. But... If you have to have one, I like Byron Donalds. He was asked if he would release all of the January 6th videos, you know, like Kevin McCarthy was was supposed to do. McCarthy was supposed to do that.
6: You become speaker, will you release all of the January 6th
0: footage?
2: I will, absolutely. Okay, that's fine. The proof is in the pudding, though, right? Kevin McCarthy said the same thing, and now he's just Representative McCarthy, not Speaker McCarthy, because he didn't follow through on the things he said he would. He's making back alley deals. He's not releasing the video. He's more concerned about funding Ukraine than anything else. That's the problem. And we've got a people against the establishment fight going on right now. So you sent me some audio, some leaked audio, and I thought this was wild. So this was from Texas Democrat. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. She is the representative that serves the greater Houston area. I think she's running for mayor. There (laughs) was somebody recording and it's like a secret recording of her just going off and berating one of her staffers. She was upset after one of her staff members had somebody else put something into her calendar. Like they outsourced it and Man, take a listen to this.
7: I want you to have a brain. I want you to have read it. I want you to say, Congresswoman, it was such and such a day. That's what I want. That's the kind of stamp that I want to have. So some stupid other mother did it. And, and I don't have the information. Nobody sent me the information. I need to uh, ensure my um, schedule. And, uh, you know, if a boo-boo did it. Shit did it. Face did, did it. And nobody knows a goddamn thing in my office. Okay? Nothing. I gave it to you. Your job was to get it on the calendar, imprint it in your brain, or send me the information back saying, Congresswoman, I made sure that the Ovi Dunkin' Tell event that you gave me uh, for so and so date at 7 is on the count, not to quote oh, Jerome Hansen. Okay? So when I called Jerome, he going me be sitting up there like a fat ass, stupid idiot, talking about uh, what the f- he doesn't know. Okay? Both of y'all are f- up and F. An f. This is the worst shit that I could have ever had put together. You two got. Idiot. Serve
1: no <laughs> she seems like a delight. That's a Hillary Clinton-backed Houston mayoral candidate, uh, uh, Sheila Jackson from Texas. And, and honestly, like if I'm just thinking out loud... I feel like more people need to speak this way to young people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so your team, Sheila yeah, Jackson Lee. I mean, <laughs> you know,
1: but this says a lot about her that she hired this person. Uh, but yeah, look, I it, more people need to speak this way to to people that are effing up.
2: I don't know. know. That seems like her projecting all the failures from her office onto a staff member that probably gets paid crap, has to deal with a bunch of stuff. Now, you're right. Younger people, they need to be a little tougher, have a little bit thicker skin, but this woman here just sounds like an absolute horrible beast. You need those people, because it sounds like Sheila Jackson Lee isn't smart enough to schedule her own events. And honestly, that message there had some strong alec baldwin vibes to it really
4: you have insulted me you don't have the brains or the decency as a human being i don't give a damn that you're 12 years old or 11 years old or that you're a child or that your mother is a thoughtless pain in the ass who doesn't (laughs) care about what you do as far as i'm concerned you have humiliated me for the last time with this phone and when I come out there next week, I'm going to fly out there for the day just to straighten you out. So you better be ready Friday, the 20th, to meet with me. So I'm going to let you know just how I feel about what a rude little pig you really
1: are. Oh. Do you imagine leaving that voicemail for your
2: daughter? I think the daughter should have waited out a number of years and left Alec Baldwin a crappy message. (laughs) You shot and killed a woman! Like, and just completely let him have it. Um, Since we're kind of going down this rabbit hole of secret recordings... I mean, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, if you're just
8: going to let him drive by you, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving and you freaking guys will run till you can't even stop. Now, To i'm not here to f- this
1: week now, you may
2: be, but i'm not i think bob knight and sheila jackson lee may be dating
1: <laughs> but you remember when we interviewed greg graham on our podcast a number of years ago and we were like man were you just there like freaking out was your eyes just wide as buick hubcaps when he was he's like no, nah, that was just another Tuesday.
2: <laughs> that was pretty remember? tame. Yeah,
1: he goes, yeah, I, I didn't. Re- I mean, I know it's like, you know, you hearing that as a civilian that's not a basketball player is pretty shocking. But yeah, it's pretty much par for the course you're playing for Coach Knight. I should have
2: recovered. <laughs> <laughs> I was lazy on D. That was a great chat we had with Greg Graham. Find that. Uh, here's a little bit more. I know we got <clears throat> hit a traffic break here, but since we're kind of going down this rabbit hole, here are some more great moments in recorded conversation history
8: and now great moments
9: in recorded conversation history
2: i hope you're not recording this conversation
9: mel gibson you are provocatively dressed all the time with your fake boobs you feel you have to show (laughs) off in tight outfits
4: and tight pants
8: Tiger
4: Woods. I need you to do me a huge favor. Can you please take your name off your phone? My wife went to my phone. <laughs> LBJ. Another thing, the crotch down where you <laughs> hang is always a little too tight. <laughs> see if you can't leave me about it. An age from the, where the zipper ends, back to my <laughs> hole. Donald Trump. <laughs> Grab him by the pr- Jason <laughs> Hammer yelling
1: at the interns
2: to keep it down. Hey, can you shut the <laughs> up for five seconds? Jason <laughs> <laughs> Hammer yelling at producer Ari. What the hell was that about? over there texting, looking at naked chicks and doing all kinds of shit. This
1: has been <laughs> Great Moments in recorded conversation
2: history. There you go. Oh, wow. That's a new feature here to the Hammer and Nigel show. One well of, done. One of many.
1: Hammer and Nigel presents...
6: It depends upon what the meaning of the
2: word is. Is this
1: anything. All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything?
2: I'll run stories by you. You tell us if the stories are really anything or not. We start with this. An Atlanta homeowner came home from vacation to find that a company accidentally demolished their home. (laughs) Here is Susan talking about getting a call from her neighbor that her house was accidentally getting destroyed
0: did you hire somebody to tear your house down next door to me that's been boarded up for about 15 years and i said um, no she said well there's somebody over here just demolished the whole house and tore the whole house down he told her to shut up and mind her own business <laughs> said, well, look i want to see a permit or something and he said okay uh, he pulls it out and he says oh i'm at the wrong address and just Packs everything up and leaves, and the house is deplorted.
1: Down, gone. Yeah, that's something that sucks. (laughs) You come back for vacation, your house is leveled. What did she say, though? It was, like, all boarded up or something? Uh, It doesn't sound like anybody lived there. I don't know. But the guy that was doing the demolishing just kind of blew it off. Like, oh, yeah, it looks like I got the wrong house. My mistake. It just walks off.
2: Like, does that happen (laughs) all the time?
1: (laughs) Like, what do you do after that? How do you make good on something like that? Now the company says they're working on getting the situation rectified. That's the only statement this company used.
2: Do you leave a like, note behind? But I love, I love how he <laughs> said, "Yeah,
1: yeah." What if somebody hadn't been there, and then he checked his notes? Oop, got the wrong house. Uh, yeah, I, I, but I just love how the way the 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 guy that was doing the demolishing just brushed it off. Ooh, man,
2: my bad, sorry. <laughs> I'll leave him a note. Sorry, I demolished your house. <laughs> Is this anything? A Utah man is getting some heat from neighbors in the city of Grantsville because of his Halloween decorations. It's a skeleton stripper using a city road sign as a pole. Yeah. The city ordered that he take the decorations down. Here are some members of the community and the owner of the decorations, Christopher talking about the stripper skeleton controversy.
6: I think it brings a
0: lot of good humor that we need to a small town. We're going to go tip them when we leave. We know, we know what it's like to work for tips. I know.
1: <laughs> maybe a little risque for some people, but it's I, just, you know, all in the name of fun. The kids understand what that is. Maybe the problem's not the skeleton dancing on the pole. Maybe it's uh, something else. Uh, the other thing it doesn't describe is not only is the skeleton dancing on the pole, but there's other skeletons on lawn chairs with dollar bills <laughs> <laughs> glued to their their skeleton hands. You
2: have to accessorize.
1: <laughs> you got to do it right. I just retweeted it or reposted it at Hammer and Nigel on Twitter X or whatever, and it is hilarious. Now I think I'm <laughs> looking at it now. Yeah, I think the the the. the the issue was that he put it on a stop sign, like a city-owned stop sign. He he moved the decorations to his yard rather than on city
2: property. So One I skeleton's wearing a hat <laughs> with the money. <laughs> and the skeleton that's doing the stripping yeah. on the pole is really putting on a show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's
1: working hard there. That's a great Halloween display. Man, I, I've been... Some of these Halloween displays out in Zionsville, I don't know if they're trying to outdo each other or what, but I've seen, like, 20-foot-tall skeletons out in people's front yards, like twice the size of a basketball goal. That's awesome.
2: I love it. Now, do you have that? Are are you... uh, we decorate, we've we got the inflatables out there. Right and, now? Yeah, the orange lights, and we do all the things, and the, the window decorations. We've got all that. Now, it's not a competition, per se. I save my holiday competition for 4th of July, when I try to blow up as much stuff sure. as humanly possible. But, yeah, our block, you know, which includes you know some family members, it, we go big, man. We get a lot but of stuff you,
1: out. Hol- Halloween is a, is a good holiday for you like that holiday, but you're going to be incapacitated
2: yeah i'm having butt stuff done on (laughs) halloween this year more so than usual colonoscopy. (laughs) the colonoscopy is on october 31st trick or
1: treat i can't wait so so the day before october 30th that's a monday you're gonna start prepping here probably probably you're gonna gonna start doing the things that make you poop all night long i would request i i would suggest i had somebody tell me they spent the night in their bathroom Wonderful. They put the the sleeping bag down, and because it was every ten minutes, didn't get any sleep. And
2: Fantastic! I can't the, wait the, for that.
1: It's 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 so horrific the prep. Now the colonoscopy is the easy part. They they I mean they put you right out. They use some propofol, and you don't even you
2: get uh, the old Conrad Murray treatment yeah, for Michael. You wake Jackson. up feeling like a million damn
1: dollars, yeah, or you may not wake up at all. <laughs> Michael Jackson found out.
2: Yeah, but that's happening on Halloween. I, yeah. I
1: just—I
2: hope that they're not being wacky and wearing costumes when I go in. <laughs>
1: your your doctor's actually dressed up like Conrad Murray, <laughs> <laughs> with the then he had the round gold glasses holding a note. Holding like a notepad in his hand.
2: Just keeps peeping his head out from behind like a curtain.
1: Maybe we'll get the dosage right this time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He goes back behind the curtain. Trick or treat. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
1: The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel Jason Hammer, right over there, with a very special and handsome guest on the <laughs>
2: WIBC Hotline—the best-looking man in television. He is the Sanchez over at Wish TV Eight. Big debate tonight. One of the moderators is Phil Sanchez, and Phil, listen—I know there's a lot of people, you know, telling you you have to ask this, you have to ask that, but I'm telling you right now, the opening question tonight needs to be: Do both of you? you think the Colts got jobbed yesterday <laughs> that has to be the opening question
8: <laughs> oh, Something yeah. that everyone can agree on right, right. Gentlemen, good, to have, good, good to talk to you thanks for having me on I really appreciate it it's going to be fun tonight
2: so how is this uh going to work tonight I know you are one of the moderators you've got Jefferson Shreve you've got balls Hulk set, they're all there um take me through how this is going to play out tonight
8: It'll be me and Katira Winfrey, um, my colleague over at WISH-TV. So basically, standard setup, uh, you know, this is the first debate, mayoral debate, in over 20 years televised, so we appreciate both the mayor and Jefferson Shreve coming on with us. Um, Each one of them will get a question, 60-second response, 30-second rebuttal. Um, And if you're wondering who goes first, there will be a coin flip, so... I guess it kind of will be like, like football, like the Super Bowl in, in a sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then, you know, we, we go from there and, uh, Katira and I will have to play our, our best at, at keeping them on time and making sure that we keep the, the show moving.
1: Phil, how long have you been preparing for this? What kind of meetings are you in? Who else are you working with um, in, in terms of, you know, you, you have producers and executive producers and things like that. How like like, when did you start working on preparing for this debate?
8: It's been a, it's been uh, a couple of months that we've been talking about it since they agreed to it. We've had um, rehearsals last week. It's a good question, Nigel, um, because nobody ever really sees what goes on behind the scenes, how much work it's put in. Rehearsals behind the scenes. Um, we have another rehearsal today, just to kind of go over the format. It's not so much the the Q and A part. It's it's the there's a lot of technical uh, parts to this as well that most people don't see. I mean, it takes an entire team to put on a on a show like this. You know, um, from our assistant news director Brady Gibson to our news director Al Carl to our owner DeWan McCoy, who um, was an integral part of, of getting this together, and then all of, you know. Our staff the the crew the the production crew i mean it's it's a lot you know so it takes uh, it takes an army to, to do something like this, and I'm proud of the work we've done so far, and I think it's going to be a good show tonight.
2: So is tonight's topic specific, or is it all things go? Because I know some of these debates, like the last debate between Shreve and Hogsett, which was a couple of weeks ago, was not televised, but it was designed specifically right. for the needs of the black community. Is tonight's debate, like, is it covering everything, or is it topic specific?
8: No, it is it is covering. I mean, we have an hour, so we have a lot to cover. You know, um, it's we're covering the full gambit. I mean, everything under the sun. I think everybody's going to be really happy with the questions that are asked. Um, you know, I look at this from the perspective of what what do the voters want to know? Um, this is not any. I mean, there will be we will have specific topics, but I think everything will be hit, you know, from from crime to, to health to money to I mean everything you can think of that you want to hear from your your mayor or your mayoral candidate we will hit tonight so nothing is nothing is off the table um, and and again they have that 60 seconds to respond 30 seconds rebuttal and you know how these things go guys you know they can take the conversation whichever way they want and it's up to Katira and I to kind of to, to ring them back in.
2: Right. Were there any stipulations in regards to this debate tonight? Like if, and I'm just hypothetically speaking here, if Hogsett's camp says, hey, we don't want to answer any questions about where we were at during the riots. Don't ask anything like that. Is that something you guys take you know, into consideration, or do you just ignore that thing in the order that it was received?
8: that's a good question jason jason and it's above my pay grade to be quite honest with you (laughs) um uh, you know i i i I can't we probably wouldn't have agreed to that if that was the case right to be quite honest and um good but again i wasn't involved in those conversations uh, but i can't i I wouldn't anticipate us being uh, agreeing to do this if they if they were tell us what we can and can't ask but no no
2: one's told you that you can't ask anything though right as far as I know, no, and, and I don't
8: and I don't think they would have, and I don't think we would have agreed to it.
1: You know, being a moderator is such a high profile position because you're open to so much criticism. I mean, you know, these last, these debates on a national level over the past couple of weeks with the GOP primaries, I think we were as hard on the moderators as we were the candidates. Right. Um, how do you, Phil, prepare yourself for a potential criticism? um when it comes to running the show here because anybody could pick out any little thing and say and and yeah. you know what i mean
8: yeah uh you guys know you're going to get criticism no matter what so <laughs> you know you can't please everyone um i think you just you ask the questions see I, I have a my perspective from something like this is you ask the questions you know and you let them respond and let them go at it you know and if uh, it's not my place to play the, the public relations representative for either one of them. You know, it's, it's their job to answer the questions that we ask and to, to hit each other up with rebuttals. Um, so I'm not worried about that, to be quite honest, as much as I anticipated worrying about it. Um, I, I'm sure that there will be people that say, oh, well, they should have asked this. They should have asked that. Why did they ask this? That's just part of the game. and it's
1: Yeah, right. You know, You're not going to make everybody that, happy. I wouldn't. You're not, well, you're you're
2: not going to make gonna anybody make everyone happen. Yeah. And yeah. you're a baseball guy, Phil. I think you can appreciate this analogy. I've always thought debate moderators should be like umpires. If you notice them, if you know who they are, then they're probably doing yep. something wrong, right? We <laughs> know who Angel Hernandez is because he stinks. We don't know the names <laughs> yeah. of the good umpires.
8: 100%. This is, this is, I, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more, to be quite honest with you. Um, this is not about me. This is not about Kateri. This is about the candidates. And, and this is about the viewers and the voters at home, you know. And, and like I said, we put ourselves in their shoes. What do they want to know? What do they want to hear from these two guys? And uh, it's not about us making, trying to make a highlight reel. It's, it's you know, sure. it's trying to get information out to the voter.
1: Have you ever done anything like this before, Phil? I mean, I know you have your weekly show that you moderate, yeah. um, but this is kind of a different format.
8: No, I haven't, um, not on this scale, um, but I can't – you know, I've been doing this a long time, almost almost 20 years now. So I think that it's, it's simil- it'll be similar, to be quite honest with you, to our weekly show. You know, if, I don't know if you ever watched that, but we get a, a political pundit from each side, and they yes. come on and they go at it. And, and, and I think that this, to be quite honest with you, especially tonight – will probably be a little bit more civil. So just from, you know, from, from reading the tea leaves, I mean, you have one candidate who is very high up in the polls, he's the incumbent, and the other one who has to make a name for himself. So I can't see there being, there being too much of, of that back and forth. But, I, I mean, I could be wrong. But I don't think it's going to be very different from what we do on a weekly basis when we do our political show. And why do Honestly,
1: you think why why are people why hasn't there been a mayoral debate that's been televised in 20 years? Why this one? Yep. Why right now, Phil? That, I don't. That's a good question.
8: Um, I think it's. I think a lot of candidates want to play everything safe. So I give credit to both of them for wanting to come on. Um, I, I think it's a good thing. I think people need to see this stuff. You know, because if it's not being televised, obviously you're, you're missing out on a big chunk of of the population not seeing it. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who, who didn't even know they had a debate a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So this is important. And I think that every time that we do have a big election and they don't televise it, uh, you're doing a disservice to the community.
2: Phil Sanchez is our guest. He is one of the moderators for tonight's mayoral debate on Wish TV. Uh, Phil, if you have to step in and you know tell people to stop the nonsense, like, have you thought about what that's going to be like? Because again, Nigel brings up a great point. In some of these national GOP debates, mm-hmm. granted there's seven people on stage, which is ridiculous, but sometimes the moderators have had a hard time keeping control. Have you thought about? the processes of you know trying to get everybody to play nice tonight
8: have you ever talked to me before <laughs> <laughs> it's true that's true or are we gonna get Brooklyn New, Yorker, New York Phil out of loud. there tonight <laughs> I,
2: have,
8: I grew up I'm a New Yorker I'm loud man I can uh I think I think I will not have a problem with with jumping in if, if it needs to happen especially if we're you know because we're up against that time um I'm also a dad of two so I know how to <laughs> to, 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 to tell them what you know what they can. and that's a little weird too to be quite honest you got the mayor you got Ms. shreve I mean um, so you know it's I don't I don't foresee that happening Yeah, they're if, not exactly flamethrowers it it's not that. like you're
1: it's not like you're moderating Trump up there these two right. aren't exactly flamethrowers I feel like
8: I agree. I don't see it happening, but if it does, I'll be ready.
2: So, if anybody wants to uh, check it out tonight, Phil, what time is this thing streaming? Uh, what's the yep. ways we can uh, consume the content tonight?
8: Sure, six o'clock. Wish TV, also wishtv.com, and, and I'm sure we'll have it on our site for people to go back and, and watch it. Probably be on um, on uh, Facebook as well. So. Uh, all of that happening tonight at six
2: o'clock. well, Phil, best of luck tonight. Uh, a lot of folks will be tuned in and we'll be playing back some highlights tomorrow on our show as well. Phil, you're the best. thank you. thanks, Phil. Thanks guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
1: The Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, we had the story the other day about how Amazon has launched a delivering they're, they're delivering prescription drugs with drones. To their customers, you
2: didn't like the idea. That's genius. I idea, think the, right? there's a lot of opportunities for something to go wrong here. These drones will turn on you and your family. And do we know definitively of whether or not the drones look like the <laughs> Amazon rockets that look just like a big old wiener? <laughs> Jeff Bezos's rocket looks like a wiener. And I'm telling you, if you're an elderly person, you don't have somebody
1: to go pick up your prescription for you. Uh, you're infirmed. You can't get out of bed, you've got a 104-degree temperature, you don't want to get out, but you can have somebody drop you off, a big old buttload of ivermectin <laughs> on your front door, a drone do that, I'd say it's a good idea, good money-making opportunity.
2: Okay. All right. Well, Hammer and Nigel Records, our record label, we've been hired to come up with Thanks. the new jingle Very for exciting. this delivery service uh, from Amazon using drones. Here are some of the things that we're considering can't you
0: see them falling from the air
4: tonight (laughs) your drugs (laughs) drug delivery drug
2: delivery don't have to drive to pick them up because i feel hazy oh it's a
1: nice day for a drug delivery. <laughs> and
2: I'm running down a drone that flew right past my home. See? Racing all over the streets. Wondering where my drugs could
1: be. <laughs> running down a drone. I think we hit some home runs there for the Amazon drone prescription delivery service.
2: I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, this was pretty cool. A baby was born <laughs> at the Colts and Browns game yesterday, and it's somebody related to the family, uh, former Purdue and Warren Central star David Bell. Oh, you're kidding! Who plays for the Browns now. So, wait, he was there. It's his niece. Yeah. Wow. And that's cool. He's an Indy guy. He's an Indy native and Purdue grad. Oh, man. One of the great athletes in the history of the city, David Bell, Um, after the game, he was told what happened, and he said, quote, it's a blessing. Her whole idea was to try to have the baby before the game, but, you know, it's in God's time, so now I have a new niece. Hopefully, I'll get to see her when I come back to Indianapolis. That's crazy. And what's wild is the baby's first words were, these officials suck. (laughs) Like, the baby's already talking, and the very first words- These
1: officials suck. Now do we know? Okay, so do we know if the families, families are probably Brown's fans. Yeah. As Urse, I'd be sending this baby a boatload of Colts
2: merch. Try to convert the child while exactly. It's young. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, the Browns are paying for a lot of things for the Bell family to live the way they are. I'm sure. Yeah. David Bell got a pretty good deal from the Cleveland Browns, but man, he's a good dude. He was a great basketball player, obviously football player at Warren Central, and he was a stud at Purdue as well. So you watch the game tape delayed? Is that yeah, right? I,
1: yeah, because I had like, there was a reunion. Going on, and I was with some family, and I turned my phone off. I saw that I had about 25 missed text messages from the group, the text <laughs> of me and you and our bosses and Rob Kendall's on a side text, and I thought I, this could mean one of two things. I don't have any idea, and it, it turned out to be. I think I just responded towards the end. Well, F <laughs> after the game was over, and I watched it tape delayed. That was my response to your 25 text messages.
4: and Nigel. you believe these characters
1: are weirdos? So let's rock. Things heating up in the uh, war with Israel. Israel threatening to cut off the quote, head of the snake and launch an attack against Iran if Hezbollah joins the war. Hezbollah uh, based out of Lebanon has been firing rockets uh, into Israel as well. A two-front war is what... Um, could be possibly going on right now in Israel.
2: Remember the Batman movie from 1989, Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson? Remember that Batman movie? There's a scene at one point where Batman's flying in his plane or wing or whatever it's called, and he's coming through the streets of Gotham in the air, and you see the Joker standing there with his arms up going, come on, come and get me. That sounds like Israel right now. If you want a piece of the action, they're waiting for you. They're talking smack to Iran. They're talking smack to the folks at the Gaza Strip, Israel, and, again, this is personal for them. This isn't some movie where they're going to play by the rules here. This is personal. Wait, wait, wait. Proportionality. You've got to you got to make the attack on Gaza proportional to what they did to you. Says American commentators. Yeah. Meanwhile in Israel, they're standing there like the Joker saying, come on. Listen to this. This is from Israel's Minister of Economy talking about Iran. Quote, Iran's ayatollahs will be wiped off the face of the earth if Hezbollah attacks Israel. The plan of Iran is to attack Israel on all fronts. If we find they intend to target Israel... We will not just retaliate to those fronts, but we will go to the head of the snake, which is Iran. If our enemies attack, we will wipe them out. I mean, All
1: roads go through Iran. And I thought it was interesting, we had a conversation with uh, Breitbart World Editor Francis Martel, talking about the possibility of Israel and nukes. They've been very secretive with their nuclear program. They're not a nuclear nation, at least they've not said as much. But man... You know, Iran is on record as saying, yeah, we want death to Israel. We want Israel to be destroyed. And you start poking the bear from, you know, three different sides. Who knows what surprises lie? And hopefully, hopefully,
2: it doesn't involve the United States. Right. But here's a little Happy Monday story for you. Uh, former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, representative from California, warns of potential terrorist sleeper cells already in the United States after the Hamas massacre in Israel. And they're claiming that Biden's southern border situation is just boltering up those numbers every single day.
1: Yeah, it bolsters the numbers. I mean, record numbers. Fiscal year just ended. And I mean, like. Two million billion-plus illegals, hundreds of thousands of gotaways, uh, hundreds of known terrorists apprehended on the watch list.
2: Now, be careful. Don't use the word terrorist, Nige. What's up? Because there's a story in the Washington Free Beacon today about how the Associated Press is refusing to let their reporters (laughs) call Hamas a terrorist organization. I'm sorry, what are we supposed to call them? (laughs) News organization Militants. The AP says their journalists should refuse Refer to them as militants yeah,
1: or attackers,
2: right? Uh, I'm looking at the guidelines that have been leaked out from the Associated Press. The AP is not using the term terrorist for specific. Reasons because it becomes politicized and is often applied inconsistently. <laughs> so that's fancy talk for we don't want to hurt Hamas's feelings. <laughs> the Associated Press is concerned that you don't want to hurt the feelings of Hamas. Parents
1: showing up to school board meetings, domestic terrorists, Hamas killing
2: and slaughtering thousands, militants, right? Attackers. And it's not just okay. the AP. MSNBC, they were doing this from the moment that that attack at the concert happened. I remember Dan Abrams, who again is certainly not a conservative, but Dan Abrams went on News Nation calling out MSNBC's crap.
8: Since Saturday, MSNBC has made 441 references to Hamas militants or, or the fighters. They are terrorists. Full stop. And MSNBC's pathetic refusal to
2: call them that is just shameful pandering to their far-left audience. That was Dan Abrams on News Nation. And then, of course, you've got American politicians, a couple squad members, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, carrying the water for Hamas. Here's a little Recap, shall we say, of what happened to Ilhan Omar over the weekend? She did this demonstrative speech, and then she tried to flee. And Hillary Vaughn, who's a reporter for Fox News, kind of chased her down, wanting to get some more information. And then all of a sudden, she was silent.
0: How many more killings is enough for you? Is it a thousand more? Two thousand more? Three thousand? more? How many more Palestinians would make you happy if they die? Do you? you will you be fine? If all of the people of Gaza were gone, would that make you happy? Would that be the thing that makes you proud? And maybe that's the question you should ask. Well,
1: it's like she's the Kareem Jean-Pierre for Hamas. Right. She's like their spokesperson.
2: 100%.
0: <laughs> is he okay? How many more Palestinian lives is
3: he comfortable with? Because I am not comfortable with any more. Hi, Congressman.
6: you her ceasefire? Are you okay with Hamas terrorists continuing to exist Israel should just lay down their arms and not try to get the hostages out
2: of Gaza? They're holding up an elevator here. How
6: can Israel have a ceasefire with terrorists whose entire mission is to Some wipe out their, their the elevator,
9: please. In the elevator.
0: She's got. How can they have a ceasefire down? if hey, they're trying to down, wipe out this crazy lady
6: no more?
1: Yeah, she got a loud mouth out, uh, you know, in front of you know when she's got a megaphone, but
2: when she's actually
1: confronted with real questions and pushback, silent.
2: Right, and it was the same thing with Rashida Tlaib. Yes, she loves the camera. She loves to dwell up those crocodile tears. But when it comes to babies being beheaded, and that's really what's going on here, she's awful silent. Meanwhile, CNN, they were covering a pro-Palestine rally, because of course they were. And they were shocked to find out that the people who support Hamas... Maybe lunatics and hate CNN too. Journalists gather here because this is
4: kind of where the clashes, key, <laughs> ha- happens. So, all right. You are genocide supporters. Okay. Um, you are not great. welcome here. Would you- genocide
1: supporters. <laughs> <laughs> CNN. <laughs> 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 CNN. No, we want to help you. What are you talking about? It's like when those uh, when the BLM riots were going on and the the group of white boy frat boys up in the apartment started like giving thumbs up as the protest were going by, and the BLM guys just started throwing rocks at him and breaking
2: their windows. And the kids are like, no, we're on your side. We helped give yeah. Patrice Cullors another mansion. Come on. <laughs> so that brings us to great moments and in interrupting CNN live coverage history. This is one of my favorite stories of all time. The special election in Alabama featuring candidate Roy Moore. And these are the first indications that we're seeing that there's at least
8: interest and at least applications are going out there. Uh, when you're looking, there's clearly some Alabamians that have made their way here to Pensacola, Andrea.
2: <laughs> and that wasn't the only oh, time God, that guy, I think it's the same guy, interrupted CNN. Pretty much endorsing the Democratic challenger, uh, Doug Jones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> fake news, fake news. Uh, <laughs> I it against,
8: against Roy Moore. Go back to you, I just Frederica. heard it
2: conspired against Roy Moore. <laughs> Great moments and yeah. interrupting CNN <laughs> live coverage history.
1: Breaking loss at home yesterday, 39-38, Colts lose to the Browns. My name is Nigel. That is Jason Hammer over there with a special guest on the WIBC
2: hotline. Kevin Bowen covers the Colts and is part of the morning show over at 107.5. The fan, KB and Andy. KB, listen, I understand, like, broadcasters have to say the line of, I don't normally blame the officials. There are other reasons why the Colts lost that game right Rabble, rabble. I get all that. I blame the officials. I'm <laughs> mad as hell. That was amateur hour on the final drive. Did the Colts make mistakes in the game? Yes. But to say that, well, the officials didn't cost them the game, my ass. I think they cost the Colts the game, and I believe I'm channeling my inner Samuel L. Jackson here in a time to kill. I hope they burn in hell.
9: Wow. <laughs> you and Samuel L. Jackson, I didn't have that on the bingo card here. I'm Uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously the Colts got a really bad whistle. They're late. I thought if you want to break down those two calls specifically, I thought the second one where the ball went out of the end zone to me, that deems it uncatchable. Uh, That's where the officiating crew should come together and say, hey, we've picked up a few flags today already. You think we should pick that one up because the ball almost hit Blue, the mascot. It was so far out of the end zone. Uh, That one made no sense to me. But the play before that was the illegal contact, and that's what negated really the game-clinching fumble. I thought that was a little bit more debatable. Um, I, I, I could see why that one was called, but specifically a defensive pass interference. Uh, that was a huge, huge play, and that would have made it second and goal from the nine, and um, I, I don't think Cleveland would have gotten in. Granted, I didn't think Philip Walker would have led Cleveland on a 67-yard drive yeah, up to that point Right. Either.
2: You know, joking aside, that's really the thing, right? You look at some of the plays the Colts left on on the field they allowed Philip Walker to drive down to be in that position in the first place and then right before halftime I was out you know, running some errands with my kids and I had the radio on Kevin and man I thought Rick Venturi was going to have a stroke when <laughs> Minshew dropped back and the strip sack and Venturi was yelling at the radio just take the lead at halftime and I'm yelling at my radio I mean there were some mistakes made there
9: Yes, certainly. Um, I, I thought Dane Sykin wore a unbelievable offensive play caller hat, but an awful game manager hat. And he wears those two hats That's part of being a head coach and being a play caller. And I thought he really gifted Cleveland 10 points, if you want to look at it late in the first half. If that, if that was Frank Reich, we'd be rioting about it. Um, certainly if that was the end of the game, it'd get a lot more attention. But late in the first half there, uh, I thought Shane Dykin got way too aggressive. I'm not really sure what he was thinking, that they were going to score points there late, back up on their own goal line. It was the second and 15. Um, they risked a penalty in the end zone. They risked an incomplete pass. They risked, obviously, a strip sack, and that's what Miles Garrett did. And then on the very next drive, they gifted Cleveland extra extra timeout by not running the ball. On a third and long, gave yeah. Cleveland about 40 seconds. And then if you look at the end of the <sighs> first half, Cleveland kicked a long field goal there late. So, again, those are some of, kind of the game management you know, things that are on your plate as a head coach. And Shane Steichen was brilliant offensively yesterday. But that s- sequence cost his team 10 points. Yeah,
1: bad clock management. What about Gardner Minshew? He has been an absolute turnover machine the past two weeks. Uh, is that the norm for him?
9: It is not as an intercept the bowl guy if that is the right word i'm looking for right. uh, fumbles have been something that have been there throughout his career and, and yesterday it was more the fumbles and less to do with the interceptions he did throw one pick there early in the third quarter um, you know the shame of it i just i thought Gardner mintrew did a lot of good yeah. for you yesterday but you know obviously two uh, touchdowns. turnovers lead yeah he had the two running touchdowns and you know hit some big plays in the passing game and you know, I, obviously when you have those turnovers and they turn directly into points, that could be crippling. And, I, I, again, the back of his baseball card, if you will, that would indicate it's a little bit of an anomaly. But that's what we've seen the last two weeks. And, yeah, you play pretty good defenses, uh, but that cannot be the norm for him at all in um, those turnovers. I mean, if you look at it, I want to say it's seven in the last two weeks that have led directly to 37 points. So, you know, it's one of those situations where if you just fell on the ball, I mean, if you just punted it, you'd be saving your team, you know, obviously uh, great field position and, you know, could be leading to a totally different result win-loss-wise.
2: The way the Colts lost that game yesterday, putting up big numbers against one of the best defenses in the NFL, uh, clearly one of the best players in Miles Garrett, who's just unbelievable, but the way the Colts lost that game, is that the type of loss that can linger and maybe derail a season?
9: Yeah, I'm very curious, you know, Hammer, to see how they respond to yesterday because, you know, it's the first time all season that they've lost now back to back games. Um, you know, they are at home this week. They're playing a team that's been reeling in the Saints. They've lost four or five. New Orleans coming off the mini bye week they played last Thursday. Uh, again, I think there's a lot of encouragement from yesterday. But the excruciating nature of that loss, um, it, it's really kind of the first time in the Shane's second era. Now, he, he, he's got to respond to a little bit of a reeling team from a win-loss standpoint. So, the schedule is very favorable against Saints this week, then Carolina and New England the next two weeks before the bye. Now, but at the same time, You know, it's a team that, you know, that was a gut punch. That was a gut punch in more ways than one, not just the style of the loss, the back-and-forth nature, and obviously what happened there at the end, but also that was an important game if you want to look at the wild-card playoff standings and and what could possibly be on the horizon – you know, a couple of months down the road, that one stung even more because of that.
2: Kevin, we got about a minute left here. Um, switching gears a little bit, Pacers open up on Wednesday night. I'm optimistic, man. Maybe Uh-oh. I'm a sucker. I'm optimistic that this is a playoff team, and I'm not talking about that crappy play-in-tournament playoffs. I think this is a squad that's looking at maybe a 5-6 seed. I think that's probably where the ceiling is. What do you think about the Pacers?
9: Yeah, I, I am right there with you, Hammer. I, I think that 5-6 seed is a very reasonable range to expect them to be at. You know, if you look at it last year when Tyrese Halliburton was healthy, this was a playoff team and honestly probably a team outside of that play-in, you know, in that 5 or 6 range. And, and I also think it, it's important for, like, this franchise to experience winning again. You know, we aren't used to this as members of this kind of market with the Pacers. Guys, they haven't won a playoff game in six years. They haven't won a playoff series in 10 years. When you think about how long that is for a franchise that, you know, if you grew up in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, even earlier last decade, you were used to seeing a winning product on a pretty annual basis. And that has not been there. And especially with this new era, with this new core, you know, Rick Carlisle hasn't won a playoff series in a long, long time. You know, those are all, I think, you know, boxes that, you know, need to start to be checked. It's not like the, end-all, be-all to the rebuild. I mean, this is still very much on, I think, solid ground, and it's going in the right direction. But you need to experience some winning and and getting used to that being the norm again.
2: Because I think Pacer fans know what they're getting out of Halliburton. They know who Miles Turner is, right? We know what his game's about. To me, I think the big wild card on this is Benedict Matherin. Is he going to turn the corner and become the dude? Or are we going to see that Chris Duarte regret from a pretty solid rookie year.
9: Boy, I just kind of squeamish a little bit there, you know, hearing the Chris Duarte (laughs) reference. I'm a very, very big fan of Benedict Benedict Matherin, so my hand raised there, because I, I, again, really love what he showed at Arizona, love what he showed his rookie season, but I I do think it's an accurate point of, you know, can he be kind of that that Robin next to Batman, if you will, if you want to label Tyrese Halliburton bad, because Miles Turner, uh, Buddy Heald, you know, age-wise, and just, you know, how they are as a player, they're not going to be that definite sidekick. You, You need someone a little Bit more in the age range that can align with him, and obviously he drafted Matherin. He, he's wired very differently than Halliburton, but I think it's an important kind of mix in personalities from those two. And the Pacers have high high expectations for him. You know, less probably to do is a score. I think he proved last year he can score, but just be kind of a complete player. Be both ends of the floor. Be a little bit Jimmy Butler to your game, um, if maverin can take that step then i think this is a pacers franchise that could be set up to have a similar run like they did you know a little over a decade ago
2: if we want to hear more about the colts the pacers and all things happening where can we go yeah,
9: the wake-up call with myself, uh, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney at 7 to 10 a.m. Uh, on our sister station, that's 107.5 The Fan uh, and 107.5TheFan.com for written content and Hammer for the second week in a row. Thank you for making our listeners some money on Thursday night football.
2: I'm perfect on Thursday nights. Perfect on I mean, Thursday nights. Impressive. Thirsty Thursday in the three-day weekend, there's no better person to start <laughs> than yourself. So great work. KB, thank you. See you, guys.
1: nigel show my name is nigel hammers here go straight to the wibc hotline and bring on daisy from the chicks on the right chicks on the chicks on the right of course used to be part of our family here on 93 wibc amy joe aka daisy how are you I'm doing great.
0: How are you doing? Oh,
1: not as well as Hamas apparently, because they're getting a hundred million dollar uh. check from uh, Joe Biden. Does anybody <laughs> really? But let's let's start there. 100, it's hundred yeah. million dollars this for is- quote humanitarian aid, right? 100-
0: you know, you got to tap that five on, all right? Nigel, you can't forget. It. I feel like this this stuff is insane because we, you know, money is just like growing on trees now because we're completely broke. So when we talk about billions and billions and billions of dollars, I think people are just like, whatever, because it's very intangible to the average American taxpayer because, you know, it's like, what do we care, right? It's just billions of dollars because we just keep working and they just keep taking our money and it doesn't even matter anymore. But, yes, Biden last Friday was like, hey, I need 105 a billion more. So sixty one billion of that is supposed to go to Ukraine, fourteen billion of that is supposed to go to Israel, ten billion is supposed to go to quote, humanitarian um, things I don't know what that means to me. Humanitarian is like we're going to just send that to Gaza, and then that's going to end up in the hands of Hamas, which will end up in basically like yeah. in, for more terrorist activities. So that's ten billion dollars that's going to go to more so, terrorist activities.
1: So
9: does
0: he then,
1: like? I've seen convoys of trucks with actual supplies moving into right? Gaza, and I'm I, I well, love that. I'm fine with that. But it's, it's the right. actual it's the actual cash. That I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about.
0: Right, but my favorite is that 13 billion is supposed to go to the border, which I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is after they poo-pooed the whole wall thing, which was at the time, remember back, you know, a couple of years ago, they were like, walls are bad. You know, border stuff like we're not going to. Right, it's all racist. You guys are, you know, total xenophobes. It's all really terrible. This is after we've gotten what, like, seven million illegals at a port over the border. It would have cost us five billion to just build the wall. That's what it would. have. So now it's like, let's go ahead and spend thirteen billion for border security. I, I mean, these people are an absolute. Mass.
1: Which, by the way, Mass. a side note, uh, record fiscal year, uh, record number of illegal immigrants uh, yeah. under Joe Biden's administration. Uh, just learned that mm-hmm. over this weekend. Just a side note there. But it really seems like Joe Biden is trying to put the Israel war, the war on Israel and the Ukraine war kind of together, like so taxpayers fund them both and think of them equally, which is not really the case.
0: Yep. Yep. His speech last week was so disjointed, and a speechwriter needs to be—they need to be—that speechwriter. My God, needs to yeah. be on an ADD med. That's like what that. i that's,
1: thats what I wanted to ask you about is, is, is Biden's speech because, you know, it didn't seem very fiery. Like I remember the the speech from hell, right, a couple of months ago, and uh, he's at the podium under the red backdrop, and he's yelling at, you know, MAGA Republicans and white supremacy is the ultimate mm-hmm. national security threat. I didn't see that kind of same. A um, uh, passion uh, at the Joe Biden speech no. last week.
0: Well, I mean, this administration believes. I mean, you could ask John Kirby. I mean, they they still believe that climate change is the number yes. one threat. They so they this weather weather is still you know scarier than terrorists, right? So I don't I don't think they see you know how severe, how awful, how you know how threatening terrorism really is. Um, but they the the speech was disjointed. I really think that he needed to focus on the hostages and he didn't. And yeah. and I I needed to feel that my president was going to be strong and that he needed to do everything he could to get America. American hostages back. He didn't focus on the hostages. All I see is a president who is basically on the beach now, enjoying another vacation. I saw that. Yeah, right. I mean, there are still hostages in the hands of Hamas. American hostages, and he doesn't seem to give a crap. Let me
1: correct you. Uh, According to mainstream media, they are not hostages. uh, They are detainees.
0: Oh my oh, God! And it's also,
1: just... and and just and just to let you know, according to the AP, they aren't using the word terrorists to describe Hamas anymore because it's been what? politicized. What
0: what's what's the word? Like, uh, what militants
1: the word? or attackers?
0: It's just <laughs> it's infuri- isn't it just infuriating? Oh, I mean, it is. Press. It's so it's gross. Like they are just it. It's like they're just trained from, you know, and, and we listen, we see it in colleges because they're that's where they're trained. Right. They're trained on these ridiculous indoctrination center campuses where they're trained how to speak about terrorists now. And we see it like we can see that severe anti-Semitism that's on full display in these college campuses. It's disgusting. I've never seen anything like it, but they're showing their true colors. And, you know, we're yeah. seeing, obviously we've seen over the past couple of weeks like, I, in fact, I'm all for it. Because it's like it's gross to see, but then you're like, okay, rise to the surface. It's kind of like watching rats like run out yes. of shit. You want to you want to see like okay, now I see who you are. I see who you really are. And we're seeing celebrities. We're seeing leaders. We're seeing people who, I mean, people conservatives even, people on our side, like, liber- obviously liberals are doing it. But I mean, even people that I would have never dreamed of, like people that I followed on social media, says I'm like, wow. I mean, I didn't think that you were anti-Semitic. Like, I am not going to follow you anymore. Yeah, I That's really gross. I yeah.
1: really don't care. We're speaking with uh, Daisy from the Chicks on the Right. I don't care what Joaquin Phoenix has to say. Yeah, a bunch of those celebrities wrote a letter calling for a ceasefire. Um, I'm hearing words like proportionality. Have you heard that word? It needs to be a proportional response. And I'm like, so, okay, what do they do? Is the IDF going to go in there and and slaughter and kill babies and chop off heads and burn people alive? Is that proportional?
0: It's a great point. great, yeah. But the, and they didn't do this for the Ukraine Russia war. Like you know, you you hear of oh Ilhan, no. o, Ilhan Omar is shrieking, oh and you my know, Rashida Tlaib, They're all all the squad is shrieking for this, you know, ceasefire stuff. And it's like, wait a second, did you guys call for a? If, if they want the, the Israel and Ukraine situation to be equal, because they're acting like it is. Yeah. I didn't. You didn't hear celebrities calling for a ceasefire for the Ukraine oh no. Russia situation. No. I didn't. Did you hear that? No. What I, you it,
1: actually it, saw was. Uh, the Ukraine government handing out AK-47s to its citizens, and I, right. you know, I'm wondering how a liberals, anti-2A liberals in the United States, are squaring that, uh, yeah. are, 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 are positioning that. You know what I mean? I think it's yeah. hilarious that you know they're cheering for Ukraine, but wait, they're giving them their own guns. Wait a minute.
0: Exactly. I mean, they were just for them they were wearing their flag. Oh, yeah. and they were like, they. I mean, all these these liberal politicians and these celebrities, they were like, they had the the Ukrainian flag on. They were like praising Zelensky. I mean, they were just, they were all for it. They were just all about Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. So they never called for a ceasefire. Plus, they were like, please, let's give you know hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine to support that. That effort. So I find it really interesting how all of a sudden they want to draw a correlation between the two, but then they're like, Israel needs to just put their arms down and like, it should be a ceasefire. It's ridiculous. Really? It's completely ridiculous. And it has everything to do with the fact that they're Jewish. (laughs) <laughs> it's an anti-Semitic way of looking at things. It's ridiculous. One of the things I told my my daughter is she's thirteen and trying to explain this to her. Is I'm oh. like, you know, there there are there are it's it's a modern day Holocaust. I mean, there are 16 million Jews living in the world and almost two billion Muslims. Right. So look at it in that perspective. I mean, they it is a modern day Holocaust.
1: Period. Speaking with uh, Daisy from the Chicks on the Right. Pivot here just a little bit to the mess that's going on in the House right now. Congress, everyone is running for uh, speaker. What Can you break down exactly for me why I should be concerned about this? Oh,
0: my God! <laughs> you know what? We, at first. I was, and I was really, I was into it. Really? I thought, okay, really, yeah. I thought, I thought, you know, this is this is neat. Maybe they're making a stand. Maybe they, because I thought they had a plan, Nigel. And then I, then I really, then it was a whole like, want, wah, wah, wah. wah.
1: Did they not don't have, have a, plan. a plan.
0: There's no plan. <laughs> and now I'm just irritated. And I thought, you know what? At this point, I, I'm thinking it's just going to be, you know, they're just probably going to like shove a Democrat in there. It's just, <laughs> just like, what's gonna? Because I don't, I, I just, I honestly thought. Okay, they're doing this for the for their constituents. And now I'm thinking they're they're not doing it for us at all. Now I think it's just very self serving and I'm irritated and we can never it just shows how much that we can never unify on our side and how Democrats are so good at doing it on their side and we just suck at it. And it just it amplifies that for me and that it's very disconcerting. I'm I'm just very disappointed on our side. And do, I just hope that we can Who do you I'm like? Sorry.
1: Who do you like? I, I like Byron I like, Donalds.
0: I love Byron Donalds. If he can get it done, that would yeah. be great. But I mean, if but that's the thing. If he can get it done, I thought Jordan was going to be able to I get did it too. Done and he didn't, and he didn't get it done. So I mean, I had a lot of faith in that, and now I'm just losing. I'm losing all the faith, and so yeah. I don't like that. You know.
1: So we'll uh, see. I-, I tuned into a little bit of the chicks on the right this morning. I missed what she, I missed the Trump ad. What is the latest Trump ad?
0: It's very dystopian. Really it shows, yeah. And I like it. A lot of people don't like it because of the fact that it has that dystopian nature to it. But it shows, you know, it shows Hillary Clinton trying to deprogram all of us. <laughs>
1: yeah. And
0: it it has. Well, sort of didn't that she say? Spirit. Didn't she
1: say she we needed
0: reeducated? Yeah, totally. (laughs) I think it's fantastic. And so I think it's great that Trump's um, team has taken that and run with it because, you know, I wouldn't put it past Hillary to do that. Listen, take these people. At face value, if, if Hillary Clinton says that, we shouldn't we shouldn't joke about that so much. I mean, I believe when these people say this, the things we should believe them saying Absolutely. the things. That I, and I think that Trump is on it when he when he takes that at face value and he's like, listen, she totally wants to deprogram you. She does believe that you're deplorable. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past her. So he made an ad about that. And I think it's awesome. Right, and, we'll you to- know, We'll yeah. have to check uh-huh. that out
1: and retweet that. Uh, speaking with you Daisy should. from the Chicks on the Right. Anything you're working on at ChicksOnTheRight.com you want us to mention?
0: Oh, my gosh. All sorts of things. All the things. And um, also, listen, we do the important news, too. Like Mick Jagger is eight years old, and <laughs> I think he just married a 30-year-old. So, you know, guys, there's hope for you when well, you get older. Look,
1: I mean, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro both just had babies.
0: They're in their 80s. So gross, Nigel. As, a, gr- so as, a, as gross. a
1: woman, do you look at that and say that's, that's kind of disgusting? I mean, those guys aren't going to be real fathers to these kids.
0: It's, it's not disgusting for the guys. It's oh disgusting. no! I mean, it's, <laughs> but I mean, I'm pretty. I'm sure. I'm sure the girl is just kind of looking. She's basically like, I don't work. That's that's right. what you saying. But you
1: yeah, think I, but you got to you got I mean Mick Jagger I, I mean Mick Jagger and Joe Biden are basically the same age and they're night and day in terms of night their physical day. appearance and I mean Mick Jagger they and just it, came out with a new album Mick Jagger still looks yeah. great dancing around he's, on stage still
0: working He's got he's got the moves like Jagger. <laughs> he's got the moves. All right,
1: daisychicks.ontheright.com. Right. Thank you, doll. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Have a great one. And it's-
1: when we used to kick back. moonshine mondays here on the
2: hammer and nigel show hammer who's dave from speedway dave from speedway is a regular listener of our program and uh, wanted to help us out with this segment really okay here's the note Hammer and Nigel, I don't know
1: why. I'm <laughs> In your I, mind, I just, this is what Dave sounds Hammer like. Hammer Nigel, the old smoky blue flame moonshine. I promised to drop off a few weeks ago. Is back on. This is the closest real moonshine I've had from a commercial distiller. It's 126 proof with good corn flavor. It's our <laughs> it's our go to night before the Indy 500 party favor. Cheers, Dave from Speedway. Well, that's nice that Dave. You certainly did not have to do this for us, Dave. But well, Dave, um,
2: God bless you. You're a great American. And uh, what's it called? Blue flame. Oh yeah, Colts colors. I like it. So Dave was basically telling us that hey, you guys need a little something stronger. You know, if you're going to buy it off the shelf, you want something with a little kick to it. Whew, so this is Old Smoky from God. It's country, board. same right. location down in Gatlinburg. Cheers.
1: Cheers and cheers to Dave and Speedway. Whoa! Uh-oh. Whoa! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Woo! Literal Fire coming out of my
2: mouth right now, <laughs> blue flame from Old Smokey
1: that, bringing the heat. That that he's right. That's not like some of the other this. That is the closest thing to authentic moonshine from a commercial distiller I've ever had. All those others we've been trying are really heavy on the maple and the bacon flavors and you know strawberries. Right. They've but been this. good. Don't get me no, wrong. Yeah, I'm not
2: complaining. But, but this is uh, gonna knock me on my ass. This is the kind of stuff you're gonna need to drink if you're gonna watch that debate tonight <laughs> between. Shreve and Hogset Moonshine Monday